I'm Audrey, and I'm so glad you're here listening to the podcast, It's Too Wonderful. This show is inspired by Psalm 139, when David writes how God has searched him and knows him fully, and that this knowledge of himself is too wonderful for him to know. We can't even know ourselves, let alone the maker of the universe and the savior of our souls. I am fascinated by this reality, so naturally, I started a podcast about it. My hope is that what you hear on this show inspires you to go and have similar conversations in your own life with people that you love and to spend more time with Jesus, who loves you the most. Welcome back to this week's episode on It's Too Wonderful. Our guest for the week is Jackson DeRose. He is a good friend of mine. I have only known him for a few months now, but have already just so much respect for him and the way he loves God and loves others. He's only 21, but he's been working in the church, like big C in the church. He's been working for the church for almost 10 years. Currently, he's interning as a youth pastor at his local church um, here in Nashville. Settle in because I know this is a long episode, but you're going to want to listen to the whole thing. So if you have to break it up in chunks, stick around because this episode is so good. Jackson graciously reveals parts of his story to speak love and truth into the life of whoever's listening. We talk about what it looks like to live live out lies that we believe even though we know the truth and how to get out of that headspace, that disconnect between what you believe and the way you're living your life. We also talk about some of the toxic cycles in the American church today and what we can do as believers to not participate in or enable those cycles, but to be a member of the church in a way that Jesus designed. We are back in the studio today and it feels really good for me walking into this, back into this space. I was like, yes. This feels right, but I'm not alone this time. I was alone last week, but this time I have a guest. I have Mr. Jackson DeRose on the podcast. Man, Audrey, thanks so much for asking me to be here. Of course. It was a long time coming, and I'm really excited for today. I'm going to ask you the question I ask everyone. What's something that you're looking forward to about today? Mm, I'm looking forward to, I think... After this, I'm going to go work on some patio furniture. Mm, I'm looking forward to the that. The patio business. Yeah. It's a side hustle. It's a side hustle. It's a grind. It's kind of more than a side hustle. It's like a half hustle. It's like a, it's a half hustle. <laughs> it's a lot right now, bro. <laughs> yeah. But it's pretty sick, man. Yeah. So that's like, is that like your outlet, would you say? Yeah. It's like with the work that I do, it's mm-hmm. all like heady. It's okay mental, yeah and it's all super spiritual yeah and just emotional yeah you know it's mm-hmm. like really draining in, mm. in those areas and so like just getting to actually like work with something with my hands yeah and like it's really yeah. physical and just like it's just like really tangible mm. it's really you can I, like f- touch I forget it. where i heard this oh it was annie f downs when she came to speak at church and city and she's talking about sabbath and how that looks different like resting looks different for people and for people who like work with their head and do a lot of like heady stuff then rest a lot of times looks like working with your hands and vice versa yeah i've never heard that but that feels really true yeah for me Mm -hmm. my work looks different in different seasons like some seasons it's a lot more like mental and some seasons it is a lot more like hands-on and so I think just like having awareness of that helps me figure out how I rest well. So Yeah, that's a good word. So give us a little context. Like what are you what are you up to this summer? Yeah, so I work at Brentwood Baptist Church at their Nolansville campus in the student ministry. Um, and so I work with students from sixth grade to twelfth grade. Crazy bro. It's a lot. I'm scared. There's a lot of them. <laughs> so I do that. When I'm not building patio furniture. I'm going to expose you for a second. Jackson did VBS last week and his character was, what was your character's name? Jario. Jario? Yeah. And I heard you had a plunger on a fishing line dangling from the ceiling on stage. Yeah. So (laughs) listen, this is actually one of the best parts of the job. Okay. So like I get to be a part of VBS every year and we had about like 400 kids this year. 
And so the energy is just electric. Mm. And we do like these skits on stage. And this year the skit was like Jario and Luigi. It's a play on <laughs> Mario and Luigi. I don't and, know why it makes um, me laugh. It was it's so funny. Like the <laughs> plot that me and Jay, he's uh, a minister at the church too. We came up with this idea to do a skit uh, where Mario and Luigi, Jario and Luigi come across this toilet and it's the unplungible toilet mm. and um, <laughs> Bowser has the unplungible toilet clogged and it's uh, <laughs> it's trapped Pastor Wade. And so in order to free Wait, Pastor Wade. Sorry, the toilet has trapped the pastor? Okay, so there's a lot of, pl- <laughs> there's a lot of plot holes. Okay. But uh, <laughs> basically, for some reason, okay. for some reason, sorry. the toilet being clogged means mm. Pastor Wade is captured. And so in order to free Pastor Wade, <laughs> we have to... Um, get the golden plunger to plunge the unplungeable toilet. Mm. So that's like the whole, you know, skit. And then like the last day we find uh, uh, Mr. Fox. He's a plumber, but he has a mini plunger. Uh, we come across him. He gives us the sacred book of plunging and it says all you have to do, or it says the golden plunger will be retrieved by those who truly believe. So then we were like, I believe. Do you believe, Luigi? <laughs> and it's like, kids, do you believe? And then everyone's chanting, we believe, we believe. <laughs> and this really dramatic music starts playing. And then I rigged up the ceiling uh, with fishing wire and the golden plunger just descended oh from this thing. And the kids are screaming, going crazy. We get the golden plunger, <laughs> plunge the unplungeable toilet. Pastor Wade comes in the back of the room on a golf cart. Wow. Uh, VBS is one of my favorite weeks of the year. Yeah. How was it? Just tell me about it. It was just a ton of fun. Probably my favorite part is getting to see the parents. Because mm. we had 400 students, but then we also had 200 adult leaders. That's crazy. And so like you two get to, to one. See, yeah. And so you get to see like dads engaging the gospel with their with their little kids. And that's just a really, really beautiful thing. And so, and, and on top of that, I mean, it's just a ton of fun. You just get to be a kid for a week. Yeah. Getting to be around kids. Like, I don't know. I think sharing God's love with them is just like such a special way to know more more of his heart for us. I uh, I was at Bible study a couple weeks ago and I was just like, I need patience, guys. Pray for patience because like with this little girl, sometimes I just don't have patience. Um, And we just random story. We were reading this like little storybook and there she didn't even want to read the book. There was just a panda on every page. And all she wanted me to do was she would flip the page and she'd be like, where's the panda? And I would point to the panda. Where's the panda? And I think we did that for like 20 minutes straight. That's awesome. And I was like getting, I was just like, and I had a friend who was just like listening to me and praying for me. And she was like, you know what? Do you know how many times we ask God where the panda is? Like over and over and over. And every time he like has such a loving and gentle response. And I was just like, that's a sermon illustration right there yeah i just feel like getting being around kids and that's something i've been learning this summer is like how can i see like god's heart for us in that that's been fun for me to figure out where is your head at when you're like okay i need to share with these kids like the truth of the gospel like i feel like i would be confused on how to do that yeah it's about how do i make this kid feel like they are loved and they belong Mm. and that they're valuable and so in that moment, it's just like, you know, I'm not saying the words of the gospel. Yeah, because you need to establish that. Yeah, like but I'm, I'm showing them through my willingness to be present with them mm, that they have value. And dang. then that opens the door when we have moments where the gospel is presented and then we mm. give them an opportunity to respond. And mm. so they're they're more likely to do that when you have that relational equity. So. Mm. That's so good. And I I feel very humbled in this moment because on my last podcast or when I was like sharing my story or whatever, I was talking about my experience with the church. And fun fact, I like hated youth group growing up. Like I did not like going to church mm-hmm. because I like did not like all the silly games. I was yeah. like, what's the point? I just want to learn about Jesus. And that like made me uncomfortable because everyone was like so crazy and so outgoing and I was like why are we doing this like let's just get to the real stuff and I always just wanted to go sit in big church with my mom um and I would actually get really anxious about going to youth group things but I just think that's like such a cool way to look at it and I think something I need to be reminded of even in like loving people who are not like 
five-year-old kids it's like friends who aren't believers or whatever like there is an element of establishing that relationship and like trust and then that creates a door to be opened later i don't know yeah absolutely it's just an interesting it's an interesting balance to walk that's a whole nother topic like the urgency of spreading the gospel versus like slapping on truth when they're not ready right and i mean what is it what what kind of urgency are we even called to have with the gospel that's an interesting question mm. that ties in that 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 ties like into a million different things what do you think i i don't know i i, I mean i think it's something that i think about a lot because i think yeah. that there would be i don't think that we're supposed to live in such a way where we're worried like i don't i don't really mm. i don't i don't really believe in the there are people dying right now without hearing the name jesus christ like i don't mm. i don't think it's about that um mm. i think it's about going where you're called and doing what god is calling you to do mm. in each moment mm. you know because i don't think we're called to live a lifestyle that is like oh my gosh i'm so worried like if i don't yeah, share the gospel with this person yeah that they're not going to have that's him. true because that's like a spirit of fear well it's not only a spirit of fear it's also a really prideful thought to have mm. because to say mm-hmm. that somebody's salvation is dependent on whether you present the gospel to them or not is it's just not true someone someone um they're going to come to faith in jesus christ because of the grace of god at work in their life and so and yes, we are called to share the gospel and we should be sharing the gospel with people. Yeah. And at the same time, there's a, I think there's a sense of urgency that we can have sometimes that comes across as like, wow, I really care for these people. Mm. And really, it's just pride and you're trying to control things that you, you can't control. And it's a God thing. Yeah. But that also can be used as an excuse not to share the gospel. I'm not saying that at all. It's a balance. It is a balance. But that is so good, like, with a prideful thing. And I've talked about that with LJ a lot. Just, like, that line between just, like, yeah, feeling an urgency of the gospel and, like, God's placed these people around me for a reason and I need to be, like, telling them about Jesus. But then also, like, it's not on. Like he can right. do it without you. Like you can drop that and everything would be fine. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, yeah. well, that's a little dramatic, but. Right. I mean, in, in my life, I mean, and I've, I've experienced this time and time again, mm-hmm. that, like if God's not moving in their heart, nothing's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so there's been times where I've said the smallest thing and it's made the hugest difference. And there's been Whoa. times where I've like beat the bush as hard as I could. Yeah. And, and nothing happened. Yeah. No way. Cause that's, my last episode that's what when i was talking about what's too wonderful for me that's what i said is like our words can be do everything or literally do nothing depending on like how god uses them and you can say like the same thing to someone in like two different contexts and it'll just like change them totally differently it's just crazy well that's the language we see used throughout the gospels and um uh like the letters of paul which is that language of God opening people's eyes to see and closing people's eyes and opening people's mm. ears and closing people's ears. And so it's like, if God hasn't primed the pump, nothing's going to come out, you know? Yeah. So. Dang. That's good. Well, talking about like opening and closing people's eyes, I think that just kind of ties into like the whole element of what, it, what is truth and like, what did Jesus come to? Like he, ca- he comes and he says like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So it's in John 16, Jesus says in verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you in all the truth. He will not speak on his own. And just like talking about the way Jesus describes the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. And I've just been thinking about that a lot because I think sometimes, at least in my mind, we say, oh, truth, truth, truth. It's so important. And it is. But I think sometimes it can be like weaponized in a way that's like hurting people. And it's like, no, Jesus came and his weapon, his weapon was truth, but he doesn't use it against people. He uses it against the enemy because the enemy's weapon is lies. And like just being ultra aware of that, like this book I'm reading right now, Live No Lies by John Mark Comer. (laughs) And he's talking about like 
just like the spiritual war that's going on right now, you know? And I think sometimes in our minds, at least when I think of the verse, like our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against like the rulers and authorities and the heavenly realms i think about like narnia right and it's like big music and they're just like clashing and fighting and he argued like maybe a more accurate metaphor is that like the spiritual battle looks a lot more like what war looks like today and that the enemy comes in the form of like disinformation and deep fakes and lies on the internet and people posing as things that they aren't and it's so much more multifaceted and then it's like poison that tears a nation apart from the inside out and it's like what if what if that was the metaphor what if that was the picture we had in our minds when thinking about like the fight that we're fighting between truth and lies and already that's just been like changing my perspective i think that it's interesting because uh well man there's so much that you just said the first thing is it made me think of when jesus says in i think it's also in the gospel of john he says i come not to bring peace but a sword Mm. dividing you know mother against you know brother against brother and so it's this idea that something about the truth that jesus is bringing will be divisive it yeah. should be divisive. Yeah. That's because you it will bring persecution. Yeah. Right? And I think that that is and this is what's hard because when you look at the culture as a whole right now, mm. you have it we're in this place where Satan's no longer just telling lies, but he's actually undercutting the whole idea of a lie. Because the whole the language of like it's my truth or your mm, truth. Yeah. The, this idea that truth is actually not an objective thing at all mm-hmm. is something that is <laughs> makes it really hard for Christians because now the devil is like, "Hey, not only I'm going to hide the truth from you even more mm. by telling you that there isn't any truth at all." Yeah. And do you know where that comes from? Tell me. Like Again, I'm just quote. I'm going to be quoting this book a lot, and I want to give credit where credit is due. But in Live No Lies, he talks about how like if if there's no design, and like that's I think that's like the the core of this is like the breakdown of the idea that there is no design and everything happened by chance. But if there is no design in the world, then there's no intent, and if there's no intent, then there's no morality, and if there's no morality. There's no accountability for anything. And if there's no accountability, then everyone can just live their own truth. Yeah. And so it all comes back to the idea of like design and that we were created. Right. Whereas Christians, we would say that God is the moral center of of everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so there is an ultimate truth to us. Mm. But when you have a worldview that doesn't include God, I guess it is fair to say that there is no one truth because what is truth yeah truth in comparison to what there's nothing to hold that up against which is yeah that's just like that tactic is insane because well and it's hard to think about that like that verse and i've whenever i read i'm like oh that he's like come to like drive okay wait we need to find the actual verse because i want to make sure okay yeah matthew it's in matthew matthew 10 34 through 36 do not think i have come to bring peace to the earth i have not come to bring peace but a sword for i have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and one's foes will be members of one one's own household and so what he's saying there is he's saying i'm saying if if you're believers there's not going to be division because that's what he's saying in terms Mm. of like foes will be in the same household it's like okay so it's going to bring together the people of god but then it's also going to be fiercely divisive in the sense where yeah. it's going to drive apart mother and daughter and father and son. Yeah, because like we are no longer bound by our earthly families. It's like we're a part of a spiritual family. Yeah. And like even when you were reading that at first, I was like, when he says like, I have, do not suppose I've come to bring peace to the earth. I was like, what? Like he, he is the prince of peace and he creates like so much peace in our hearts, but it's. He hasn't come to bring peace to the earth because we are still not, we are still under the dominion of the enemy 
And it's like, there will not be peace on earth. But then there's like that one verse in Isaiah. It's like, peace on earth, like Christmas song. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah, so there's, there's, <laughs> both, there's both a sense in which Jesus does bring peace and Jesus doesn't bring peace. Because there, there's a sense in which the coming of Jesus, um, it did not bring world peace. Yeah, there like people thought it would. Right, and yeah, it actually fair. caused great division in that if you look at the early church, they were incredibly persecuted. Yeah. And, there were, and if you look throughout mm. history, there have been wars fought over the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, he didn't, he didn't bring peace in that sense. Like but then <laughs> he, all, he did bring peace in the sense of, you know, you know, do not be anxious about anything, but in mm. everything by prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Yeah. It's like the inner peace. Right. Like it's the soul peace. Yeah. And, and yeah, there, there's, there's peace for his people. Yeah. But there's, th- there's not w- peace for the world because this world is going to need to be made new before there's peace in it. Mm. You know? Yeah. And so. Dang. That's good. I don't even remember how we got there. Oh, yeah. Just like truth and lies and that. Yeah. Jesus's main weapon is truth. And people, it's just so hard. I, I was just talking about this with someone like you'd think like truth would make everyone happy, but it just doesn't like there will be people who like hate you for it. And that's why I think to me, like. I can sometimes do people pleaser and that's why like truth feels scary to me because like not everyone's going to like it, but it also is love, which is just like, that's, yeah, that's a whole other yeah. thing. My, well, my favorite passage when talking about truth and lies is John chapter eight. And what it says at the, is it says in verse 47, whoever is of God, hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. And so that's it right there is that, Hmm. you know, some people aren't going to hear the truth of the gospel and receive it. And some people are. And so to some people it's light and it's truth and it's what they've been looking for. And to other people, they're just blind to see that. Yeah. And also in John eight, Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Right. Yeah. 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 So what I always talk about when I talk about truth, I spend a lot of time talking about <laughs> students. Actually, yeah, go for it. Because <laughs> it's uh, it's it's just huge, man. Because people are believing so many lies. Right. Yeah. I'll just share, I'll share a little bit of my story with it. At the end of my freshman year, going into my sophomore year of college, um, I uh, I started dealing with depression really bad, um. And so I I started going to counseling um, and in counseling, I started to be um, confronted with all of these lies that I had been believing. Mm. And it's not just like the kind of thing, you know, where it's like, oh, my gosh, I just found out that this was true. A lot of times it's like I I knew what was true, but I found out I was living like it was a lie. And in the deepest part of me, I actually believed that the lie was true. And then when you start, and I started to look at my life and I looked at my sin patterns and um, where I was struggling and where I was getting hung up and like all this stuff. And I was like, man, it all comes back to lies that I'm believing. And so I started to like talk about this. I was like, hey, you know, I just feel like lies are wreaking havoc on my life. And um, I started to see in my friends' lives, like, dude, lies are wreaking havoc on their lives too. It's like, and then I look at the world and I'm like, lies are wreaking havoc on like everybody, you know? Because that's the enemy's weapon. Yeah. And well, I mean, and that's, um, and I, I, you know, and then at some point in there, I read John chapter eight and I was like, this is it. Because what we see in John chapter eight is Jesus is talking to these Pharisees. Um, and he's also talking to some Jews and, um, and there even some people who claim to believe in him. And he's saying to them, um, he starts by saying, and you will know that if you abide in my word and the word there is not the Bible, it's the gospel because that Mm. Jesus is the word and it's the good news that Jesus brings. You're truly my disciple and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Mm. Um, And then throughout this passage, you see a lot of 
confusing uh, or a lot of the times the Jews are just confused. Um, mm. They're like, we're <laughs> offspring of Abraham <laughs> and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you'll become free? First of all, mm. they've been enslaved for a large majority of their history. Yeah. But even if they are talking about spiritual enslavement, um, Jesus goes on to say, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is, is a s- sin is a slave mm. to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So the son sets you free. You'll be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father and you do what you've heard from your father. And so then they're going to go on to be confused like, bro, Abraham's our <laughs> father, you know, and <laughs> Jesus is like, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. Mm-hmm. You are doing the works of your father. Like your earthly father. Well, <laughs> this is where it gets crazy. Oh. They said to him, we're not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, oh. even God. They're like, okay, we only have one father and that father is God. And so if our father is not Abraham, Jesus, they're like, our father's Abraham. Jesus is like wrong. <laughs> our father's God. Wrong. He goes on to say, if God were your father, you would love me for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires mm. and your will is to do or and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Mm-hmm. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. And so what Jesus is saying here is he's like, bro, you literally. Um, seen this, like he's stark he's contrast between the people of God and people who do not know god he's saying people who do not know god their father is the devil and that Mm. you know and like that can sound like hyper spiritual yeah oh my god you know like (laughs) it's not like a satan worship thing (laughs) it's it's saying when you do not know jesus christ yeah and you do not have a saving relationship with jesus christ your destiny is eternity in hell with satan yeah and when you're living in that depravity the only thing you have access to are the lies of satan And so when you and that's so evidence, I mean, when you look around the world and you look in our culture and the media that we consume and, um, you know, (laughs) the colleges we go to and the things that are taught and all this stuff. It's all infused with lies. Yeah. And so as Christians, we're living in this world that's trying to sell us on lies all the time. Mm. And so Jesus is painting that picture Mm. of like, you're all liars. Mm. You're all all you have is lies. Yeah. And then he says, but I am the truth. Mm. And what's the answer to the lies? It's the truth of the gospel. And that can set you free. Mm. That can set you free. Because um, I've never read Live No Lies. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't? <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, it, it feels like this podcast is sponsored by that book. But it's I, not. <laughs> I've, never, I've never read it. But I've heard people talk about it before. Yeah. And one thing that somebody said when they talked about it was they talked about, I don't actually know if this is in the book because I've never read I'll it. I'll let you know. I haven't read the whole thing. But. <laughs> John Mark Homer says that when you live in the lies, you're living at odds with reality because God yep. is like ultimate reality. Yeah. And I think that that's so true. Um, and there's something that happens, I think, that's happening in all of us and in unbelievers when they don't when they're not in Christ mm. and they only have access to the lies, their li- their souls are living at odds with the fabric of reality. Mm. And in that, there's this dissonance that's Cognitive created. dissonance. It's a theory in psychology. There's this dissonance yeah. between um, them and their relationship with God and their mental health and all this stuff. Like and what you, yeah, yeah. And, um, and so I'm a big, th- this is my thing, is I'm a big believer that as... I try to think less of my role as a Christian as just giving people the gospel. I believe in that. Mm. I love that. But what I want to be is I want to be a person that's bringing the truth Mm. to the darkest places. Mm. And I want to be a person that's bringing the truth to people that are consumed with lies. Yeah. Because what I found in my life is that the truth of the gospel has set me free from mm. some of the deepest pains and the deepest struggles of my life. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's the, it's when, we as Christians stand up and we're willing to say, that's a lie. Mm. I'm not going to believe that anymore. And mm. here's the truth of the gospel that confronts that lie. Yeah. And then we tell it to ourselves 
every day mm. over and over and over again mm. until we believe it. And then that becomes an internalized identity within yeah. us that we see such radical change in our lives mm-hmm. because of the truth of the gospel. Because what does it do? It yeah. sets us free. Yeah. It has the power to set us free from our sin, from our shame, from our trauma. It has the, it has the, the power to literally set us free from, from any of our, any of our shackles that have been there from lies and yeah. I'm, I'm a big believer in that. <laughs> in that. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's crazy. Cause we were just talking about in church, you can like believe you can know truth, right? Like you can have a head knowledge of like, I know Jesus loves me. I know his grace is enough for me. I know his mercies are new every morning. I know that he died on the cross for me. So I don't have to live in shame of my sin but you can still live like you believe all of those things. Right. And right. that's where it like comes down to. I, and I think this is what we're talking about at church. Like be really honest with yourself. Like, yeah, you can say you believe these things, but what do you actually believe that like correlates with the way you live out your lives? And only when you're tr- like real with yourself of like, okay, what am I actually believing? That's when you can like spot the lies yeah. and then break them down from there. Yeah. Belief isn't a test. Yes. Like knowing is a test, but belief is not. Belief is not like, do you believe this? You yes like, or yeah. no? <laughs> no. Belief is something that you internalize to the point where it informs your actions. Yes. It's like your actions that show your right. belief. And like, I guarantee you, you, I guarantee you, if you take, if you, if you think about the thing in your life that's wreaking havoc, that you're struggling with sin struggle, whatever mm-hmm. it may be, and you zoom out on that enough, at the end of that road mm. is going to be a lie that you're believing. Yeah. Probably multiple lies. Yeah. And you would be able to answer on a test what the truth is. Mm. But you're living in that lie because of the patterns that you've built from yeah. your, for your whole life. Yeah. And it's because like the best lies have truth mixed in them so that you like you see the truth in the lie and then you convince yourself that it's not a lie. Like this this has been what's helping me like literally in the past three days when I'm like believing things that just aren't true instead of being like, is this a truth or a lie? Cause I get lost. Cause a lot of times it's both. I'm like, where, where is the lie in this or where is the truth in this? Um, because the most like John Montgomery <laughs> again says that the most effective lies are those that are true, but not the, the whole truth they're one side of a two-sided conversation and like the the best lie is to spin a tale in which 95 percent of what you say is true and then there's just five percent that's untrue and it puts the whole thing on its head and then you don't even realize that you're living out of from a lie because you're like no it's true i just like tacked on this thing at the end that's like not true so yeah absolutely It's hard stuff. It's, and that, like, that's the thing is that sounds, so, it, <laughs> if you're listening right now and you're like, what the heck, like, that just is so overwhelming. Like, how, how in the world am I supposed to fight against that? You're not, like, that's what Jesus is in you for. And it's like a way of like opening yourself up to him and being like, Lord, help me, help me spot these lies give me the humility to ask people into my life to speak truth into me like it's not a battle that you fight alone I have friends that are like hey I need accountability in this because I keep believing this lie and I keep for example I keep believing a lie that I need to perform to this certain level and that I am not enough and that I'm not deserving of grace and that like God doesn't give me grace and I know that's not true but I still live like I believe it. So I need to be like, Hey guys, I know I've asked this for literally a million times, but just like keep reminding me. And eventually like day by day, it will begin to transform your actions and it will set you free. You just have to like get to the point of admitting it. Yeah. Yeah. I think when it comes to confronting the lies in your life, it takes courage and it takes kindness. Mm. It takes courage to be able to stand up and say, you know, hey, hey, man, um, I'm just really struggling. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm believing this lie, and I just, I, I, I'm, I'm struggling, and I know yeah. it's not true, but I just keep believing it. Yeah. And then you need prayer, and you need the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, and then 
And so you need the courage to be able to stand up and say that. And then you also need kindness of like, you've, you've lived all the years of your life believing that lie, most likely. And so like, it's going to take a while to undo it. Yeah. But being willing to be kind enough with yourself to say each and every time, man, I'm believing the lie again. Yeah. That's understandable. Because yeah. I've been I've been believing that for a long time. Yeah. And then approaching yourself with kindness to be able to say, like, oh man, let me let me let me dwell on what the truth is here. Mm. You know, and just doing that over and over and over and over and over again. And eventually yeah. the the most scared, um, the most scared and um uh, troubled parts of us will mm-hmm. eventually come to feel safe enough to accept that new truth. What's an example of like a lie that you would believe about yourself? <laughs> it's hard in the sense of like, man, I want to invite y'all into the fullness of my story, but I just but can't do that. We don't have that that time. I think for me, the biggest lie in my life that I, I've had to undo, and this goes back to some some really hard parts of my story, but I struggled, I still struggle with believing that like I'm like a monster, like a really bad guy that's just going to hurt people. And especially when it comes to like my relationship with with girls, mm. whether that be friendships or romantically, like yeah. I just I really struggled. Like I'm gonna hurt this person, and I don't mm. want to hurt them. And I I just I just have this deep belief that I'm so evil that I'm just gonna hurt people. Mm. And that comes from like some really traumatic stuff from my story, but and that's a hard one yeah. to combat because it is true that mm. I was born into sin. Yeah. Born totally depraved and bad. <laughs> like that there there is part of that yeah. that, is, that is true. And that's where yeah. And 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 but I, I don't like it's not true in the sense that I'm believing it. Mm-hmm. And and so it's not even partially true, really. It's yeah. it's it's uh and this is where it's it gets hard having a having a Christian identity. Mm. It's like <laughs> when you start th- talking about identity as a Christian, because really the picture in Protestant faith that we generally paint of ourselves is like this depraved wretch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then and then God came along and now I'm this new creation all of a sudden mm-hmm. and I'm just like this. And it's like, dude, that is so like, like I, I, I just, I think about it differently. I I, yeah. I I agree with that. That is good theology. Mm. It's been around forever. I, it's in the word of God. I believe it. Yeah. But what I try to dwell on is I try to dwell on, okay, look, we're all human. Mm. We're starting from that place Yeah. where we're all human. Mm. And for me, what I know to be true about myself is from the minute I was born, from the minute I was conceived, from the minute God thought of even creating me, from the Bible says, even before the foundations of the world, mm-hmm. he saw me, he knew me, mm-hmm. he loved me. And he mm-hmm. said, that's going to be my son for all of eternity. Yeah. And so even in whatever level of which I was depraved, <laughs> and I believe that to be totally, and like in whatever sense of that was true, at the same time, I was so loved. And I was Mm -hmm. so known and I was so seen. And the whole story of my life has just been God pursuing relationship with me Mm -hmm. to the point of where I am now. And at the end of the day, like I'm human, right? Um, And we all, we're all human. And so like it's approaching those issues. That's Mm -hmm. sometimes where theology can be unhelpful Mm -hmm. for issues of like your identity. Because if you use some of the language that theologians have been using for all these years. Yeah. It it can it can I think it can paint a picture of how God sees you that's not how God sees you. Mm. But yeah, so that's been a really hard lie for me, Dang. especially because I love theology. Yeah. It's like it's like I will be in counseling I'm like, but I'm bad. I'm just I'm just this terrible person. It's like the Bible says I'm a terrible person. <laughs> it's like, no, you know yeah, I mean? that's like, that's where it gets you. But it but it's not. Yeah. Right? And it's it's that um and obviously, you know, 
the, the, you know, we all know that like, okay, we're a new creation and God loves us. And like, we're so loved and like all that stuff. Mm. And I'm, like, I'm on that. I'm on that train. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. a long way of answering that question. Thanks but. for your vulnerability. And I don't know. I just, I, I felt like I should ask that. Cause I think too, when we're talking about truth, sometimes it's easy to go to like hot topic issues in this, w- in the world right now. And like, be like like topical things of like oh what like lies am I believing from the world and just boiling it down like what's most important is like in the heart of hearts like what lies do you believe about who you are because everything else like will stem from that yeah and like yeah like lies from the world like that's so real but ultimately when we say the world we we mean the enemy like it, it all yeah. starts from him right and so I think it's really easy to especially when we're talking about like truth and lies, it's really easy to get like wrapped up in like even a political agenda with that because that's like just like where we are right now. And that's a whole nother conversation. But I just want to say that like truth, like when you're thinking about truth, think about yeah, like, absolutely. yes, for you, yeah, the like truth I, that sets you free. Students, and that is like, like the love. Okay. Of Christ. Look, like I don't, like I don't, I don't <laughs> like, I get it. Right. Yeah. Like we're, we're all right. I know. Like, <laughs> The Democrats are doing this and like Republicans I, are doing that. You heard you heard your parents say something and you yeah. just want to repeat that. Like, I yeah. get that. But like, listen, where are you? Yeah. And what lies are you believing? Yeah. Because it doesn't sound like you're believing that lie. Yeah. It sounds like you have a you have a <laughs> grasp on what you think reality is. There. Yeah. What I want to know is 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 where are you? Mm. And like where is your soul? And, and mm. what are you believing? What what's what lies? is your story telling you and, mm. and where do we need the truth of the gospel there? Cause yeah. we can all talk about the lies that of, of whatever all day long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, we're talking about like the lies in, in ourselves. And like, that's, that's like what's going to shape the way we live our lives. Yeah. And, and, and it is true too. Cause like the world is also telling us those lies, mm-hmm. like the internal lies. Mm-hmm. The, the world is communicating to us a message that is telling us lies about our identity. Yeah. I really want to get to this other topic. Okay, bet. The American church. <laughs> I feel like we should just have a whole podcast series at this point. But yeah, because you're working with kids and you're you have this dream to be a pastor one day. I wouldn't call it a dream. It's not a dream. What is it? A calling. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's, it's not something that I woke up one day and was like, this is what I want to do. This is my dream. That's so embarrassing for me because I just like that's okay. That's all, that's the culture. Th- Though that's so fair that you said it that yeah. way. Yeah, that is so fair that you said it like that way. I think. But one thank of the, you for correcting. I think me. one of the reasons I have a strong reaction to that is because no dream minimizes it for well, sure. It, it's not that it just minimizes it. It's that if a if a pastor has a dream mm, to be a pastor. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I'm already questioning you. No, exactly. Yes. That like <laughs> you know comes I mean? from. Yes. I'm so, like, yeah. If, it, if it's your dream to pack out a church mm. and them to listen to you teach, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I have some questions. <laughs> you know what I mean? True. <laughs> True. So. Yeah. Okay. So, well, yeah. So, like, tell, tell me about your calling. How, like, given, like, everything we just talked about, about, like, and, like, pouring into guys of, like, that in high school or whatever of like pointing out the lies in their life what and just like living in this world of lies how okay I guess this is a twofold question so like the American church how does the current state of the American church play a role in this do you think and like pointing out lies the church should be pointing out lies yeah (laughs) yeah to 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 the people of their congregations and yeah. we should be more. But that takes like discipleship, like one-on-one discipleship. Yeah. I mean, in certain ways. Um, yeah. The, the, <laughs> the church, <laughs> the, the ch- so I'm, this, this is, I'm, I'm in this constant state of where like, I am super in like the most like, classic like western american church like i i just yeah I dude just, i just exist in that space yeah and like that, that's where mm-hmm. i live and that's that's what i do and it's yeah like, i'm there 
And there's part of my soul that is just like, oh, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah. And that's you know? that's what I want to hear. Like, what's that, that dichotomy? That's the tension, right? I mean, so it might be helpful. Can I share more of my story? Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I uh, share as much as you want. So I grew up in a Southern Baptist church um, at, from a kid until I was in high school. And um, then we left that church and my parents became like church nomads for a while. And we were, we were kind of all over the place. And then um, when I was like 13, I went to this church barbecue at this place. And I, <laughs> me and my friend Seth, we were like, all right. For whatever reason, we got super interested in church production. And we went to this church and we, uh, we asked the pastor, hey, can we like do church production for y'all? And so when I say church production, I mean like sound, lights, like okay, yeah, all that stuff. Um, like service flow stuff like that and he's like yeah man and so at the time the church was like 30 people and so <laughs> me, and, me and Seth just started like doing that stuff and then um, you know like a year and a half later the church was at like 200 something people and we'd been doing this thing and it was actually a campus of a of a of a larger church and I'd been working like 20 hours a week like just volunteering like leading the production team and stuff and then when I was 15, I got approached by the senior pastor at the main campus, and he asked if I would oversee production at both campuses. So when I was 15. When you were 15? When I was 15, yeah. And so I, I was just about to turn 16, and I started, I would drive between the two campuses, like, every Sunday and, like, all throughout the week. Like, I, I was working, I was training volunteers, doing all this stuff when I was, like, 16. And I did that for several years. And, and so since I was really young, I've been like, I've been able to see like the politics of church and the whatever. And like the church I came from is a real, was a really unhealthy church. Hmm. Like there's just a lot that was not good about it. A lot that was not great about it. So that is like the culture that I, that like, Hmm. I I have have a lot of like baggage from that. Hmm. And then when I started working at the church at Nolensville, which is where where I work now, I started teaching. It gave me an opportunity to mm. teach in front of the students. And we have like a, a big student ministry. And so like we have a Wednesday night service that is like a full service that you would see on like a Sunday morning. How many kids? We have a couple, few hundred in the student ministry. Dang. And you're teaching like every week. <laughs> yeah. So I've taught more and more. This coming fall, we will have 16 or 17 Wednesday nights and I'll be teaching 13 of them. Wow. Yeah. And so, but when I first started, I was only teaching like once every, like, I've been there almost two years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I, I get there and I'm like, I teach for the mm. first time and people like really like the teaching <laughs> <laughs> and like, and they started telling me how much they liked the teaching. And then every time I would teach, it would be like, oh my gosh, like Jackson, it's just like the kids need this and like whatever, 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 mm. whatever. And I started to get this like huge sense of pride Mm. and just this like level of like whatever when like I would walk off the stage and I would just be thinking Mm. about like who's going to tell me that I did a good job. Mm. And in my story in general, like when when I was in high school and I started working in the church, it was a really broken time for me where I'd come out of some like really tough stuff and I didn't feel loved. I didn't feel valued. But in the church with the work that I was doing through church production, I started to get approval. Mm, And so I became, and so that, when I started having this struggle of like, I'm teaching the Bible, but it feels like it's about me and it's not about God. Mm. I was at this place where I was like, I was just like looking at it all and I'm like, man, since I was a kid, I've been using the church as a way for me to get approval. And, and that should not be the point of the church. And, and so I, I started looking at that myself and repenting of that. And I just started to get so troubled because I knew this wasn't just a me thing. Yeah. Cause I've been around enough. I also, this is another part of my story. I've done some church consulting where I've gone to different churches and helped them with church production stuff. And I've seen enough pastors Mm. who are just these men who are insecure, Mm. seeking people's approval. 
and That's the so damage scary. the damage that it's wreaking in churches. And w- if you think about church, <laughs> if you, if you like, <laughs> listen. And again, I'm I'm saying I go to the, I I go to the most this church ever, <laughs> and I, I love my church. Yep. I love my church. But when you look at the way we do church, and you know, in, in, in the majority of churches in America, it's a platform mm. for a speaker and a platform for a worship band. It's literally a stage. Yeah, it's a stage, and it's uh. There's this really interesting dynamic that I just can't unsee. And it's this dynamic of you have a pastor who's teaching a message and desperately wanting approval. Mm. So he's going to say the things that the congregation wants to hear so that he can get approval. And so he's promising the congregation, hey, if you keep showing up and giving me the approval I'm looking for and bolstering my numbers, I'll say what you want me to say. And the congregation is saying, we'll keep showing up if you don't ask too much of me. Mm. So you have this relationship where people come in the door, give the pastor what he wants. The pastor gives the people what they want. So the pastor gets approved of. The people feel like they're marking off the God checklist. Mm. And then both parties get to go home feeling satisfied. And I and since <laughs> I've like since I've started thinking about it that way, dog, yeah. I can't unsee it. <laughs> yeah, and it, it absolutely is a I don't really know why I'm laughing. It's, it's a really yeah. <laughs> it's a really cynical view. Absolutely. No, for sure. And, yeah, and, and like a generalization, like obviously oh, not absolutely. every. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's plenty of good pastors in big yeah. churches yeah. that have sick worship bands. Like, yeah. a- absolutely, uh, totally. And there is there is a a real a very real truth that even if pastors motives are wrong like the bible says that even if someone's motives is wrong if they're preaching the gospel god's going to use it mm. and so yeah you know it doesn't it's, matter except that christ is preached and, so. and there's always a sense in which us as humans are going to bring our baggage with us always yeah. when we're when we're preaching the gospel mm-hmm. so that that's so true mm-hmm. and at the same time i am a little troubled that the way in which we do church creates a platform for approval um approval centric leaders yeah well because you've experienced that i've experienced yeah. that and like i i'm just saying this like mm-hmm. i've gotten up in front of a bunch of students and taught it does something to you mm. it, 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 it does something to you yeah. you know and it, it's it has the potential to be really bad and, and when i became and i'm not the only person that's been saying that yeah but when i experience that myself the Mm. weight of it just became Mm. really real yeah you know what i mean yeah like how do we continue to put like jesus at the center and that yeah like this this topic is like hard and a lot but even something i was thinking about today like everything we talk about on this podcast and just like in conversations we have today around like things of the bible like there is nothing new under the sun and like i'm sure they were talking about this like a few hundred years after jesus left heck like 20 10 two months after jesus left you know and it's like our struggle is not new and i think that gives me a level of peace and also like dang you know we're just we just keep asking where the panda is you know god is not surprised by this yeah and what can we like take from scripture and like learn about the way <laughs> that Jesus taught us and the way that he taught us to gather and like be with community and hold that so tightly and then go into these spaces like the Western church knowing that this might not be perfect. This probably isn't, ex- this isn't what Jesus wanted exactly, but I'm going to take what I know. I'm going to take what I know to be truth and I'm going to go into this space and be a light and like, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that like you're right, but, and there, and, but there's also a sense in which it is new <laughs> in that the struggle of people preaching the gospel for their approval, that there's a, there's, a, there's an aspect in which that's new and our culture is a specific yeah. motivator. Well, with that. social media too. Yeah. And, and like data and numbers. And you have celebrity yeah. pastors and yep. stuff. And it's like, yeah, I don't even think that's, that that's necessarily sure. like a bad thing. Yeah. But I think that, I think my, you know, 
my conviction is not that we need to change the way we do church in America and like whatever, mm. whatever, you know? And, you know, I think when I lead a church, there will be things that I'll, I'll do differently because of yeah. that, but there will be problems in the church that I lead. <laughs> you know, every church is going to have <laughs> yeah. their problems. Yeah. You know? But I think what, what I, what I, what I feel for myself and I feel for, for people is just this desire of like, man, like really look <laughs> at mm. the, the motivations behind what you're doing yeah and um yeah like we can talk about like the american church all day long or whatever yeah but like look at yourself right because the only thing you can really control is yeah. how am i showing up to church yeah and yeah that's that's the crux of it <laughs> and how am i and how am i engaging with these leaders in my congregation mm. how are these leaders engaging with me yeah because i'm telling you dude you can <laughs> you can walk into a church and hear one or two messages from a guy mm. and you can figure out what this dude's about. Yeah. Oh yeah. You can know like is he is he about is he like is he about himself or is he about mm. the gospel of Jesus Christ? And and you know, I think we can sniff that out pretty well. But yeah. I, I think I think what we desperately need, you know, when I I originally came to the church at Nolansville and I was just gonna be there for like a semester <laughs> because um, I was waiting to get a job somewhere else. This is really bad. Um, <laughs> Hopefully they don't listen. Just uh, kidding. <laughs> no, they know. They know about this. And, uh, and so I, I told them, I was like, Hey, you know, I'm going to be leaving, whatever, whatever, whatever. And Wade, who is our pastor, Wade's awesome at the church in Owensville. And he asked me to get lunch and it was the most, it was, it was, it was worse. It was terrible. <laughs> It was, it was, it was the worst. It, 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 he was, he was just so, it was exactly what I needed. And he was just like, Hey man, we want you to be here. Mm. But if you're going to be here, we need you to be here mm. because the church needs more than anything, men who are going to stick around. And these students need some men who are going to stick around. So why there's, so either leave and leave quick or, or be on board and be on board for the long haul. And I so, have so much respect for that man. I, I, that changed. Like I was looking at church as if it was like my next career, career yeah. opportunity. And that's garbage. Your dream. That's, that's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Garbage. it's garbage. Yeah. And that just changed the way I thought about everything. And I, and I'm like, okay, you know, uh, I need to repent. And then also like, I want to be the type of man that sticks around mm. because these, these students, and and people in general need leaders who are going to be there to support them through thick and thin and, and be around long enough to build that relational equity. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, I just, I just really think we need to look at the way that we're showing up to church. Mm. What are we bringing with us through those doors in terms of how we look at church and how do we need to get a more biblical point of view of that? And also, are we going to churches just because they're giving us what we want. Yeah. Are we participating in that cycle? Are, are we yeah. participating in that cycle? And not only from an end of like, how am I showing up, but am I enabling other people mm. to show up in a certain way by the way that I'm showing up? Yeah. And so I'm I, again, I'm not, I'm not saying we need to shut anything down or doing it. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, and like, I don't know. I need to take a look at that. Yeah. Maybe you do too, but maybe you don't. I don't no, know. No, I definitely do. Well, I'm not talking. I'm talking to the listener, Audrey. Oh. I, know, I, know, I know you're perfect. I mean, you're the host of the <laughs> of podcast. Of course. There's nothing wrong with me at all. I'm, like, <laughs> no, I'm not trying to directly challenge <laughs> but it seems No, tough. whoever's listening right now, Jackson's talking to you. <laughs> okay. We need to get to the last question. So the whole premise of this podcast, Psalm 139, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit. When I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind it before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And you were quoting this scripture earlier when you were talking about how God created you. It says later, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. Um, da, da, da. Okay, I could read the whole thing. But anyways, 
God knows us more than we know ourselves and full knowledge of ourselves is too wonderful for us to even know. So we've been hashing all these things out. Yeah. But at the end of the day, most of it is just too, too wonderful for us. We're never going to have the perfect answer. So my question for you is like, what's, and it it might be like one thing you think you're always going to like carry wrestle with, or maybe one thing that you're wrestling with right now, but what's something that's too wonderful for you that you're just like, Hey man, like, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's for me, it's, I think it's always going to be the sovereignty of God. And like, Mm. you guys, you guys get tired of me saying that. No, but like, I mean, what is the sovereignty of God and how does that affect everything? You know what I mean? (laughs) That is always going to be too wonderful for me because Mm. when I look at the sovereignty of God and what I know about the sovereignty of God, it is both troubling and so peaceful. And so it brings me so much peace and so much joy to think about the sovereignty of God. Yeah. Amen. That's a good answer. All right. We should keep going. Let's do this again. Okay. Yeah. No, we'll do part two. All right. Thanks for listening in, whoever's listening right now. And remember, Jesus loves you. And there's no such thing as coincidences. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of It's Too Wonderful. I hope you enjoyed it and that this inspires you to go have similar conversations with your friends, your family the people you love, and most importantly, with Jesus. Remember to go leave a rating and review. I really need those to get this podcast out and about. Go give us a follow on Instagram at It's Too Wonderful Pod.